What's this up, show Tampa? is pure entertainment. Que pasa, pure Tampa? Wagwan to me, y'all. This is Sac Passé. To me, I have a bit of a party Welcome mouth. to the GS this show podcast with the JS simply stands for. So any of this content or material from you, you can just fucking saying. piss off. I'm just saying what I want to say, what I need to say. This show is brought to you by Six Five Promotions. <laughs> Welcome back to the Just Saying Podcast. I'm your host, King John III. We got a few things to go over on today's show. Clearly, we're going to talk about John michel Basquiat. I'm going to give you the details of the Live by Night contest that's going to be kicking off in July, on actually July the 10th. I appreciate you guys tuning into the show. Appreciate the follows on Instagram as well as Facebook. Now, before we get things kicked off, I got to talk about Creative Loafing's Best of the Bay contest, all right? So you guys uh, bear with me. Just saying podcast, Solo Digo, Tampa Bay. All right, y'all, it's the time of the year again for Creative Loafing's Best of the Bay Award. If you consider me, if you support me, go to local.cltampa.com, go to the subcategory People, Places, and Politics, and type in the Just Saying Podcast. Okay. Chris, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. How are you? Um, I want to say, uh, matter of fact, let me just give you a round of applause, sir. I want to give you a round of applause. I appreciate you. I still owe you one. Me owe you one. Go ahead and uh, let's jump right into it. Um, I came across this ad, and I saw it on, uh, I'm going to say, uh, Yahoo. And it talked about uh, this painting that sold for $110,500,000. And to me, my first thought was, like, what fool would pay that much money for that kind of art? At the same time, I guess I was being kind of... Uh, I'm a douchebag about it, you know, because you spend your money on whatever you want. But I had to find out, right. you know, who on God's green earth created this picture. And then I wanted to find out more about it. So I dug up, you know, clearly, because I'm not an artist. So I won't sit here and pretend like I knew all about, you know, the whole field and everything. But I dug up this man's story and I was like, wow, man. I mean, I, I read his bio, but I know you more familiar with his artwork. Well, uh, well, first of all, uh, not only was that auction, uh, do you know, go for a hundred plus million dollars? Uh, it was the highest price paid for an American artist in the history of art. I saw that. That is the distinction. Yeah, it's that. Is, that's uh, no matter what happens uh, for his very short career, that is uh, a distinction that will never be taken away from uh, Basquiat. It's amazing. Uh, launches him into the same company as like Picasso and Van Gogh as far as the numbers are concerned. And I think that as far as impact, uh-huh. um, with just with modern artists coming out of uh, uh, New York City and uh, L.A. as well as Amsterdam and, and, and Berlin and what have you, there is this visceral impact, visceral influence that, that Basquiat had on uh, a lot of street art. And and people that are becoming famous today, you can see it's sort of a continuation of of where uh, Basquiat came from. True. I was um I looked into his um his bio and went clearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody can go check it out themselves. But he was half Haitian and half uh, Puerto Rican. But I mean, he was born in Brooklyn. So he started oh. out he started out uh, with graffiti, but um I guess he got political with it, you know. And he started 
politicizing his art. And I'm like, how do you politicize your art? I mean, in a way where people can understand. I mean, because this is where you come in. Because I don't like. He, he talked a lot about like Christian myth in his work. Uh, there was one piece in particular that was like eight foot by eight foot that hung on the second floor of the resort that I worked at. Uh, that was called, I want I, I hope I'm not mispronouncing it, Pezzonetto. And it was just this really sparse piece where there, you know, there was a lot of, you know, negative space and then just these just intense, uh, depictions of like the king, the three wise men. But what was even more interesting than that piece, although that piece, and he, oh, and he dated it. It was done on Christmas Day. Uh, I want to say 1984, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, as he dated a lot of his pieces to the day that he worked on them. Um, there was another piece, which is really controversial, that was in the resort um, that supposedly, even according to the gentleman that writes the official like Bible of Basquiat in his life and work, uh, pretty much kind of denies is still in existence. Uh, and it was a piece called The King, and it hung in the boardroom of the resort that I worked at. Uh, and it was a medicine cabinet. And this was one of the later, probably one of the last pieces that Basquiat ever produced. And it was from, I want to say it was from the Chelsea Hotel in New York City, where uh, Basquiat was staying. And he would he came out in, one morning, and he was very gaunt, had a lot of um, health issues related to, he was HIV positive. I think one of the reasons why it sold so much was because of his lifestyle, because he died of a heroin overdose. That's probably right. how he got HIV from using um, right. intravenous use of needles. So, I mean, that his yeah. story is, is just extraordinary. I think that's why it sold for so much money, just the tragedy that came with his life. And just most of the time, you know, myself, I see dollar signs and I saw the dollar sign. And that's what you know drove right. me to the story. But um, do you have any Basquiat's? I mean, any knockoffs, any any replicas? No, um, I have uh, actually a photograph of uh Basquiat with uh, Warhol that hangs on my wall. They're both wearing bo- uh, like uh, boxing shorts and boxing gloves, and that's uh, the way their relationship was. It was uh, Warhol admired him and uh, and was probably at some point very very envious of him. Basquiat was prolific, where Warhol was more of an idea person. I mean, I guess it's not very modern. I mean, if you look at well, the Sistine Chapel. There were contractors and students and artisans who were brought in to paint it. So it wasn't just one man up on a scaffolding. There were many, many, you know, artisans and apprentices that were there at the time. And, you know, there was, the artist was more the sort of the orchestrator and the director of what was going on. Um, and, and spoke, you know, about composition and how, you know, where things were placed. And I think Warhol was very much the same thing because he had a group of, you know, artisans and apprentices that, you know, would do the screen printing of his of his vision, of his art. But it would be Basquiat who would come in and then spray paint and alter these pieces. Just giant pictures of the Getty uh, Pegasus from uh, the Getty gas station. And, and, and Basquiat would come in and, and he would make some sort of scrawly, you know, commentary on, and then all of a sudden, it, 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 it was no longer a Warhol piece. It was a almost like it had become Basquiat. One of the commentaries that was always made to Basquiat by Warhol was that he never really 
he painted with like these explosions of emotion. It never took him very long to do a painting. Whereas Mascarado is quick back to Warhol that he may not have taken much time with his work, but Warhol never even touched his own thing. There was uh, one of the things, there was one piece in particular that was at the resort uh, that had a pretty big impact on, uh, and it was also, in the art world, there's a lot of, like, thievery and counterfeit uh, work, and there's a lot of underground dealings and things like that. It's, 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 it's kind of a very Byzantine organization, or not organization, but Byzantine sort of pursuit. This, there was one piece called The King that was on the wall of the boardroom of the resort that I worked at that I used to look at quite a bit when I first started. There. Do you know Do you know if these were like official pieces? They couldn't have been official pieces. They were just wrapped Oh, no, right? they were real. They were, they were real? real? They were real? Wow. Yeah, they, they actually, uh, a couple of them ended up with the Brooklyn Museum of Art because uh, I actually had to take one down from one of the walls. It was called the Three Philistines, and it's now one of the premier pieces in the Brooklyn Museum of Art's uh, Basquiat collection. So what? let me ask you this. What would you put Basquiat when it comes to artists? Because it's kind of hard to, you know, gauge talent. Who's the best is a subjective title. But what would you put right. Basquiat? You had to, I mean, you, I if you had to rank artists, you can rank them right. by the dollar amount. I mean, because clearly he's number one dollar amount. You know, that's no right. question. But talent-wise, you know, the body of work, you know, the influence that he brought forth on the art community. What would you put him, like, rank-wise? What would you put I'd him? I'd say that probably he, he was easily the most important painter of the modern era. Wow. I mean, <laughs> wow. Uh, something that, I mean, when... Jackson Pollock. He started out as a, as a tremendous illustrator, very technical, very precise. You know, com- uh, I think he even was responsible for a lot of uh, early uh, advertising and print art and uh, kind of turned his back on that, said, you know, found a, a different way to articulate his vision. And I think that Basquiat could have been a, uh, a very precise painter, but his emotion and his energy couldn't couldn't contain that. And sure. much like uh, uh, Pollock always saw things a different way, and I think Basquiat was very, you know, and, and that's why I think that what makes Basquiat important is that he couldn't be confined and defined. Well, I don't think you can um, explain that any better, Chris, but um, check this out. What do you think, uh, think about the, the Tampa art scene at the moment? Uh, well, uh, the Tampa art scene is actually... Uh, it's pretty exciting. I think that uh, there's a lot of mural work going on around Tampa. A lot of mural is, work. And it's amazing. Uh, I'm very jealous because <laughs> I work in very small pieces that I, I would love to figure out how in, in the hell that people do these giant installations of of, of work. Um, there's uh, And they're everywhere. And I like... There's there's been artists that have been around for a long time, like Center, uh-huh. uh, which which is spelled P S I N N E R. Really cool pieces. There's a gentleman named Scott King that lives in Central Heights that does some really great. Like uh, he does a lot of wood art and a lot of there's a little bit of bondage and mixed up with like comic imagery. Of course, there's wait a minute, Shub, you 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 tagging all these people? You haven't even you know, took the time out to give yourself some credit, man. What do you got going on? Okay. Absolutely. Of course, they can always visit my Facebook page. My name is Chris, C-H-R-I-S, last name Shubhas, S-C-H-U-B-H-A-S. 
B-A-R-T-H. I'm very easy to find on Facebook. I'm usually the only guy who is not African-American with that name. <laughs> so I'm easy, I'm easy to, I mean, I'm, you know, big head. Gotcha. But, but I, I usually put a lot of artwork up there as well as I also have a store uh, now called Nerveful Things. Okay. And uh, we have, a, of course, a page on Facebook for that. And so you know, and I and I'm always experimenting with some uh, new and interesting uh, styles. Uh, doing a lot of black and white and grayscale stuff as opposed to the really colorful stuff that I'm used to doing. And I've actually been trying to loosen up more in the style of Buscott. He really has made an impression on oh, me. Oh, I'm telling you, man, he made an impression you know? on me, man. I'm thinking about throwing some shit up against the wall. And <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate this. And uh, are you going to be at the um, at the event on the 3rd at Service Industry Appreciation at the brewery on our 8th? Uh, no, I didn't hear about that, but well, yeah, it's, that uh, um, Well, ask Chris about it. I'm going to be there, so um, chop it up when I get there. I'm just, you got to go there today and get your bands. You got to go today or tomorrow and get your bands to be allowed in because they don't know how many people are going to show up. So uh, I'm going to be there as well. I'm trying to go get mine later on this evening. All right, man. Chris, man, I'll see you soon. All right, man, I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks a lot. All right, it's time to talk about the Live By Night contest. So let me give you some details. Um, it's going to be on July the 10th. I'm going to do a show. During the show, I'm going to give a trivia question about the movie Live By Night. It's a movie that portrays Ebor City. And um, all you got to do is be paying attention. Uh, I'm either going to do a, a live Instagram video or a live Facebook video. Caption the uh, live video feed with the right answer. Or you can call in with the number provided on the day of the show. It's that simple. If you get the correct answer, $50 gift certificate to Massage Envy on Just Saying Podcast. Trying to take care of Tampa, but you want to give back a little bit, and this is a good way of getting that done. So you guys, uh, call in on July the 10th. Your free massage. Get your trivia game up. Simple as that. It's E-Boy City, Just Saying Podcast, Solo Digo, Tampa Bay, King John the Third. July the 10th, let's go. Mm-hmm.